0: Hey, everybody. This is Eddie Dasis. we here with another episode. We're excited to have a special guest. We have a doctor in the house. All right. So her name is Gloria Oikolome, and she's going to tell us about her journey. But before we get to, to our guest, let's um, give part to our sponsors. We have Dasis C management. Call them now, 617-237-0106.
1: Or go online at daciusfm.com. Do you want to maximize the value of your commercial property and achieve optimal productivity and efficiency in your day-to-day business operations? That's where Dacius Facilities Management can help. DFM offers Boston-area businesses help in key areas like building and preventive maintenance, handyman services, project and vendor management, and even security consulting at competitive rates. Call Dacius Facilities Management now at 617-237-0106 or visit DaciusFM.com today.
0: DaciusFM.com. You can call them now 617-237-0106. Like we said, we have our guest today. Um, Her name is Gloria. Gloria, how are you today?
2: I'm fine. Thank you so
0: much for having me. Oh, thank you for being here. excited and we're gonna go deep in your background. So let's let's start with um, the show with the intro. Welcome to the Divine Purpose Podcast, where we transport you
1: along one of the more dynamic journeys of life. Have you ever been curious to know what it takes to become a successful leader or about knowing the secrets of life through the Bible? How about engaging in conversation where no topics are off limits? We will take you to new levels with guests who can help you grasp the importance of your calling.
0: Now, here's your host, Eddie Dasius, founder of Dasius Facilities Management. This is Eddie Dacius with Divine Purpose Podcast. We have our guest, Dr. Colomay. She's an accomplished educator, scholar, and administrator. And she has more than 20 years as a career in the higher education. She co- currently serves as a provost and a vice president of academic affairs at Delaware Valley uh, University. This is my word, but we're gonna have Dr. Gloria tell us more about her with this uh, famous question we have. What can you tell us about you?
2: Uh, well, again, Hetty, thank you so much. It's my pleasure to be here. Um, well, I, I always start with saying um, I am a mom. I am a wife. Mm. <laughs> um, I am a daughter. And for me, those three things actually come before my, my professional title in terms of, you know, just life and, and priorities. Um, so in the midst of being a mom, a wife, a daughter, um, I'm one of seven children. So family and community is really important to me.
3: Yeah. Um,
2: and then I, I serve as Provost Vice President of Academic Affairs at a, a Delaware Valley University, which is a, a private institution out in Pennsylvania. So um, I look for just ways to balance all those things together, but I'm very passionate about education and mentoring young people. Um, so it's always just, it's it's a blessing, I believe, really every day to go into work and really um, impact the life of young people in education, um, especially young people who, who you know who, who look like me because they don't really see um, representation in leadership positions. So it's always a great opportunity to mentor students as well. So.
0: Well said, well said. So Gloria, um, let's go to your, you just mentioned you have seven siblings, right? <laughs> if I got it right. So yeah. how was it growing up in your household? Or what was the dynamic? <laughs>
2: (laughs) So, not only seven siblings, but I'm the only girl of all seven. (laughs) What? What? (laughs) Wow. So, if you can imagine, um, you know, some days I, I, I actually sometimes say at meetings and things that if I can survive growing up among six boys, and I'm number five. OK, but my parents always put me in charge. I think being the only girl and somehow for them, it's like girls are you know more responsible. Spossible. Yeah, so I was always kind of put in that role of, OK, mom and dad are going to not be in the house. You know, you make sure everything is OK, you you let them know if they do and if your brothers don't behave. And so,
3: <laughs> wow. so
2: it's, it, it was a little crazy. And even now that we're all adults, I still say to my brothers, I have stuff on you that mom and dad don't know. <laughs> you know? So you just need to treat me nice.
0: Yeah. You're blackmailing them. Right. So <laughs> what was it? So what was it competitive? Uh, like, can you tell, uh, tell us um to where like everybody getting sport? Was it just education? Can you tell yeah. us what was it? So out.
2: it's interesting because one thing about myself is, um, you know, I'm a child of immigrants. So yeah. my, my parents immigrated to to this country from West Africa. Yeah. Um, But, you know, America's home for myself and my siblings. So I grew up in this very cross-cultural family, you know, yeah. trying to navigate American life. And we still joke and say my parents raised us like we never left the streets of Lagos. So some of the things <laughs> that, you know some of our friends like our our American friends or, you know, our white friends or even our black American friends that get away with, we would say, Oh my gosh, if we ever did that, we find ourselves back on a plane to Africa or something, (laughs) you know? Um, so, but my parents, you know, two things, my, my father always said, um, and I'm grateful my parents are still alive today. They're, they're in their eighties, but just enjoying their golden years for all the hard work. And, but my father always said, you know, um, you know, God, family, education,
3: in mm. that order. you
2: know, God, family, education. And he would always say, you know, you, anything you want to do in life, if you don't put God first, it's not going to succeed. And then, you know, in life always make sure, you know, you prioritize your family because sometimes when the, when the world is not treating you right, you always have that support system with your family. So yeah, wow. your family, important. and that stuck with me as an adult. That's why, when you said, tell me about yourself, I started with, I'm a mom, I'm a wife. I'm a daughter, and then I'm I'm a vice president. Wow!
3: Um,
2: Because there's some days when work is really tough, but my Mm. support system at home is what gets me through, right? Um, And then finally, education. You know, for my my parents raising seven children um, in America, we we didn't have a lot. You know, grew up in the inner city. It was it was crazy. It was rough. my brother's gotten a lot of trouble in different things that they should yeah. be doing. So my father was very strict yeah, because he wanted them to succeed. And, you know, my parents worked multiple jobs to put us through school. Mm. And, um, you know, sometimes some of the things you see today that, you know, still uh, are upsetting in terms of some of the issues that still yes. exist in our country, we faced a lot of that, you know, mm. um, because a lot of people didn't tell, you know, They didn't tell my parents about all the different educational opportunities. And we were all very smart, my brothers and I. So sometimes teachers, they didn't even know what to do with us sometimes. You know, Mm. my one brother, he's a medical doctor today. He skipped two grades. I skipped a grade. We were always wanting, like, what's the next thing? We couldn't get enough education. And I think all our teachers were white and maybe they didn't know what to do with that. Like you have, you know, these black students in the classroom and. But thankfully,
0: well, we eager a- for education.
2: Yes, so finally we. But thankfully, we had a couple of teachers who really saw something, and they kept pushing us, and they kept challenging us. And my father, you know, hung on to that. So we were pushed hard, and even like, you know, most kids, it's like, oh, it's summertime, summer vacation. We were like, oh, it's summer because we know that's like extra steady.
0: <laughs> whoa, 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 Gloria. So you said in summertime you get extra study.
2: Extra study my father would look for like tutoring or because he would tell us in Africa you know in West Africa I said yeah and he would do the access so that we go to lesson you know like when you're out of <laughs> school you still have to go to lesson so he would say just because well, you're doesn't mean you know you're gonna be on vacation
0: so <laughs> a a and one thing you just mentioned so i I used to get lesson outside of school too.
2: See, so you, you get it. It's all in our, our culture, Africa. Well, but I didn't know stories.
0: that. I didn't know that. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so now, nah, but... I had some free summer off, but I think. Well,
2: my brothers, my brothers found all kinds of ways to sneak out, you know, yeah. as boys, they would go sneak and play football or, you know, soccer. Cause you know that my yeah. father says that's the real football is soccer.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, yep. Yep.
2: But you know, again, being the only girl you, you, you're supposed to behave. So I would be the one back home still reading my books and my brothers would be out playing, but, um, I I grew up in a very strict household, but I always say to people, it was a house full of love. Mm. So you didn't, even though sometimes you saw that strictness, like, okay, my parents, my friends have all this freedom, but you also knew that it was, you were loved, you were supported, Uh, so you didn't necessarily rebel against that,
0: Um, (laughs) yeah. So looking at and hearing you talking about your experience with your parents, um, can you pick a few favorite memories you will share with us today from your childhood?
2: Yeah, I think, um, you know, one of the key memories I always remember would be the holiday time because as mm. I said, our parents worked multiple jobs, so we didn't have a, enough, but I remember my parents always making sure like, you know, the holiday was was special, even though, wow. you know, I would get back to school the next after the holidays and I would see my friends with all these kind of expensive gifts and things they got. But I think our parents did it in such a way that we never felt like, you know, we didn't have. I knew they worked really hard to put those presents under the tree that we got. And they made sure that we didn't for, you know, that we, we didn't feel like, oh, we were less than or that we didn't have. Um, another memory I have is that my parents really made sure that we were surrounded by what I like to call like the bigger village. So they yeah. found other people from West Africa who were here in this country and all those holidays. So you're always surrounded by all these aunties and uncles and, you know, they're not really your aunties and uncles, but you yeah. call them your
0: know, <laughs> <and your uncle. laughs> it's like the big family, you know? <laughs> So it's the big
2: village. And um, so you just felt all this a lot of just love and support within that, um, you know, and those are just the things that stand out for me. And again, it's what's it's what's influencing how I'm trying to. You know how my husband and I were trying to raise our children and make sure they're surrounded with love and with, you know, even with all the challenges in our society. Um, I, I just have those really good memories of the holidays. And then I remember when my parents took us back because they wanted us to understand the, the culture and our heritage and the country that, you know, we we came from. They didn't want us to lose that. So I remember those first few trips as a young child going back and just, being like, wow, this, this is just amazing um, that you have this culture and you have this heritage and, and being able to just meet all these extended family members that you didn't know. Yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah, those, those were some special memories.
0: Um, l- l- let me ask you this question, if you allow me to, is what are the three most challenging event in your life and how did they challenge you?
2: Wow. Um, I think one of the most challenging events I had, I remember when I went to college, and so remember I had this upbringing where, and our parents, my parents really brought us up believing that we could do anything, right? They have brought us up believing that, you know, with with faith, with family support, with education, with working really hard, you can do anything, you can be anything. And we kind of just grew up with that, you know, like that fearlessness as children, yeah. right and I remember when I um, went to college, and um, I was majoring in biology, and I had to do, um, you know, this chemistry course that was really, really challenging. And it was actually really like my first experience with someone treating me differently because of my skin, like mm-hmm. someone sort of sending me a message that you you can't get through this because people like you don't don't achieve this. Wow! And it was it was. And it was said in such a way that it, it knocked off my confidence in such a huge way that I, I just remember thinking about it like, wow, you know, here, here's this instructor who's just, you know, and much later in life was when I found out because then I I became a faculty was that it was, <laughs> not, it was the way he was teaching. It wasn't me. But, you know, as a young person, I didn't know it at no, the time. so wow. I, really, I internalized that and it really messed with me psychologically. But you know, you know, I I have a mother who she's not playing around when it comes to her kids. Right? So,
3: <laughs>
2: so Ooh, when that. I went home and I said, you know, this is what he said, and he said you should just drop this course because he said, you know, he said, you know, mm. courses. I met, and I remember exactly what he said. He said, you know, subjects like this are difficult for for people like you. And I was like, what does he mean, like people like me? And yeah. and I just it hit me in such a hard way. And I came back and my mom was like, you, how dare, you know, she broke yeah. off and all kinds of, you know, things that I probably can't say in a podcast. Yeah. You
3: know? <laughs>
2: and and she just said, no, you know, you, you we're going to get you through this. And they, I was surrounded by such a support system, but also mentally though, it took a while for that mindset to just, you know, with, with, with support and love yeah. for that to change. And I'm happy to say it's a success story because five years later, after I not only finished and graduated, I got my master's. I actually then went back to my old university and was hired as a faculty member.
3: And this man
2: man was still there.
3: So Mm. I remember the first
2: faculty meeting where I walked into the room and he looked at me and I looked at him and I saw respect in his eyes because now we're equals.
3: Yeah. Like I've,
2: I've earned the right to but be do, Wow. And in my mind, I was thinking, well, no thanks to you. But then my mother will always say to me, well, actually thanks to him because sometimes people thinking you can't do something can actually become a gift depending on how you
0: react. To it. It. Yeah. You embrace so, it.
2: Exactly.
0: Wow. So uh, Gloria, this is, and this, this is what I like about this podcast. First question I ask is what can you tell me about you? And I, I don't have an order for all the questions mm-hmm. I sent you. And now you've taken me to different another journey where <laughs> not the same journey, but this is not what I expected. So let's go to, okay. You have immigrant parents. And mm-hmm. you and your siblings are thriving in school. You guys are e- eager for knowledge. Where did you find that balance? In terms of some people, their parents would would not be able to help them.
2: Yeah.
0: With their education's challenge or the requirement to help them with their homework yeah. because of. The yes. gap. So yes. what was it for you?
3: Well,
2: here's what's interesting. I'll break that down. So one of the things that was fortunate for me was that my mother um, was a math teacher for many, many years. In, wow. In, you know, back in, back in, in, in West Africa, she was a, a math teacher. Um, and she just got a certificate and then learned how to teach. But my father never went to college, really. Okay. And, but one thing that I learned from my parents is my parents always advocated for us. So even when they couldn't help with homework, my mother would march to the school and bang on every door. She would be talking to the teachers, talking to the counselors. And, you know, sometimes they will be so embarrassed like, oh, my gosh, here's an <laughs> African mother showing up. And she's just, you know, yeah. gesturing. And, you know, Africans were very energetic. Did,
3: very- <laughs> yeah, 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 yep.
2: But but it was much later in life that I realized that. Even though she knew she didn't have it within herself, you know, because she taught, you know, math at, you know, maybe like you could say like middle school level. Yeah. But when we now started getting higher and higher and she couldn't help. And, and my father, I mean, there were times I was helping him with like writing and with, you know, um um, just even I remember, like we'll go through like a McDonald's drive-through. We'll be trying to interpret for my right. parents because the people they can't understand yeah. them uh, they're saying, you know, "hambanga," you know, this kind <laughs> of experience. <laughs> so it's, it's my
3: um,
2: oh, parents. What I what I appreciated about them is where, where they didn't have those resources, they fought and they went to look for it. And, mm. and so even now, sometimes I I mentor a lot of students or I talk to parents and say. You, you may not be educated. You may not have the means. You may not, you know, be wealthy. You may, but there are resources out there. You can become an advocate for your child, or even if you're an, as an adult, learn to become an advocate, advocate. for
3: yourself.
2: Um, so yeah, that, that's how we overcome, overcame a lot of those gaps. And I think if my parents hadn't advocated for us, I truly don't believe I would be sitting where I'm sitting today. I truly
0: don't believe that. How important are those memories for you now? Looking Mm -hmm. back, how important, like I think you will take from them to help with your own situation now. Now you're a mom. Mm -hmm. I don't know the age, but you will help them. You're going to advocate. How important are those lessons you learn from your parents?
2: Oh, they're, they're so critical. And now I make sure that I, um, I explain that to my children all the time because, you know, kids, now my kids, they just crossed into teenage years and, yeah. you know, they're, they're more aware. So, and I, I laugh sometimes cause you know, and for any who's parents who's listening, you, you always swore to yourself, you'll never sound like your parents. You'll never do what your parents <laughs> <laughs> And then sometimes I hear myself saying something or, T- trying to t- tell my kids how to, you know, some life lesson. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I sound
3: exactly like my mom. Oh my. <laughs> <You know? laughs>
2: but that that's, that's just a cycle of life, isn't it? And I think yeah. hey, it's really important now to advocate for my children. I mean... I, you know, I'm present, you go to the teacher conference, I always look for any, is there any teacher that's teaching my children that, you know, that maybe they can't do something? Is there any teacher that's, you know, um, you know, putting anything in my in my child's head to kind of demotivate them? Like I'm very, very sensitive to that um, because I know, again, my, my parents did that for me and our children need that, they need us to do that. I, I work, um, before I moved into, worked at a university, I started my my career in middle school, teaching eighth grade. And I could always tell the parents, I could always tell the children who had parents at home that didn't care because they were the parents who wouldn't show up for a teacher conference or they were the parents who, um, and probably because they were going through some challenges in their life, you know, and it was tough for them. Mm. So you could always tell the children who had support at home, and the children who nobody was telling them that education was important because there's just this cycle that the parents are also struggling. yeah, um, so it's really just important, you know, I when I speak and I speak at different things and try to just encourage parents or through my church and things like that, and I just say be be an advocate for your children because they they really, really need it.
0: And and thank you, um, Dr. Gloria, to 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 your well explained um, situation and going back to your journey. But did you when? So, what was your dream job in high school, in college, and now? I like to ask this question because there's like a probably it might be a straight line. It might be a wave. So what was it for you? Okay, so don't laugh. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so for whatever reason, I wanted to be like this forecaster on TV, like the news channel people yeah. and just tell the news. Yeah. And my parents and my siblings they tell me all throughout my life, you know, I would always just walk around the house with like a microphone or like a pencil. And I turn everything into like an interview, <laughs> you know, like, Oh, I'm in the kitchen with mom. And what's for dinner today? This kind of, you
3: know, and just like get
2: out of here, you know, but I remember I, I just had that passion for just like communication. And one year there was even, um, there was like a big tornado in our neighborhood. So I was going all around to all the neighbors, like interviewing them, like, yeah. you know, like how I see the news people do after a storm or something. Um, but, you know, I, I got into um, high school and college and I took a couple science classes and I fell in love with science. So I, I went on that path. But I will tell you that a lot of my job today is communicating. So I feel and like I-, I still do some of that passion because I use those skills. Um, but... I don't know how I went from being wanting to be a news anchor to a researcher, scientist and then a faculty and an administrator. It's like a journey like this.
3: But
0: yes, (laughs) it's like a wave. Um, And
2: I'm still using communication skills today, which I think is critical in any job, really. So. Um, I mean, you've got a podcast. So you have communication skills and so you wouldn't be able to do
0: that, right? No, no, definitely. <laughs> so which of your accomplishments you are the um, brightest? So you have a lot. <laughs> I, I do,
2: but honestly, I... I think it's the greatest honor and privilege to be a mother. I really do. Wow. And it's crazy because even when I say that to some friends, people are like, oh, you know, you're this career woman, you're a vice president, you're, and I said, yeah, but you know, when it's all said and done, it's the opportunity to sew into the next generation. That's where my legacy is. That's, yeah. that's where the impact. And I I just feel so blessed to be able to like shape and mold the next generation especially in our current world there's so many challenges there's still so many things they face because of you know various their race their, you know and to me i think that's just the biggest accomplishment is if with god's help i can produce i i i can produce and develop children who will make an impact in their world in ways that i didn't even do yeah. I, I think for me that will be a, my that's my proudest uh, accomplishment
0: and is there one thing you, you wish you knew before you started your career? Wow. Yeah.
2: I wish I had told myself in a stronger way who, who to put value on.
3: Mm.
2: And what I mean by that is throughout my career, as I said, you know, as, as an African-American woman in academic affairs, I'm like in 2% of of people in this position in in higher education. And it was a very bumpy road to get there. And some of that was because you would have thought I learned my lesson with that teacher who did that to me back in college. But at different points during my career, other people came along who were just like that faculty. And I still like let them get in my head. Yeah. And so I if I could kind of tell myself, I would say, you know what? be more intentional about who you put value on because i can't stop people from having whatever opinion right
3: yes that's what i
2: tell my children today you're going to meet people who have all kinds of you're going to meet crazy people you're going to meet people who have a problem with you because of your skin or your or your your beliefs or whatever identity you're going to have but you can't control that but you can control the value you put on them yes and so I think each day I still work through that to make sure that I don't put so much value on the wrong people because that can really mess you up in life, I think.
0: And uh, I think, and I appreciate this, this is the same advice I was I would give to anybody because, and I'm taking this advice for myself <laughs> too because there was so much um, negativity and I will go with this question. <laughs> when did you realize you made it the reason i ask this question because there's this big imposter syndrome where people don't feel like they don't belong and but when when did you realize that oh like it's like they announced it um here is dr gloria (laughs) when did you realize like you made it you got it you got it figured out you settled
2: It's interesting. I think this would, I would say maybe this was about four or five years ago where as a vice president of academic affairs at my, not the institution I'm in now, I was VP at at another institution. The first year when at graduation, and if you know anything about a typical college graduation, you have the people you put on your big robes. And, you know, so by then I had my doctorate degree. And instead of being, you know, I went from the person learning to getting my own degrees then teaching in the classroom for many 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 years and then suddenly you're on this big stage hundreds of students graduating thousands of people in the audience and I was a person handing people the degrees and shaking their hands wow and I I just remember in that moment where I thought wow god (laughs) <laughs> this is you, right? <laughs> wow! <laughs> and yeah. I went from the person of can I make it? Can I do this class? Here's a faculty telling me I can't do this class. So I am now the one saying I'm conferring this degree on you and because I've I've earned that that privilege to do that. And that was um, it it was a very emotional moment for me. I remember that day, and although now I I don't know that. I think you have different moments where, you know, God reminds you of his grace and that you yeah. it. because yeah. if you're not careful, you know, your head can get in the way. And so bring yeah. that imposter syndrome back. Right. Yeah. Um, even now, I'm working in an institution where, you know, I'm the first person of color in this position. I'm the only person who looks like me in the whole president's leadership team. And you walk into the room sometimes to give a presentation. And if you're not careful, those thoughts can come back of like, do do I belong? Do I, do they, you know, am I competent? Am I? And then you just have to tell those thoughts.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You have to, you have to be strong. And I will, I will, I will kind of dive deeper in it because I Mm -hmm. feel like there's a lesson people can learn from it. And Mm -hmm. as you in your position and which makes sense so Mm -hmm. how do you stay grounded yeah how do you stay focused how do you keep going Or, or do you keep the light up
2: yeah well i'll answer the first question how do i stay grounded i gratitude every day i wake up I'm saying, God, thank you for where I am today, because it's not because I've arrived. It's not because I'm the smartest person in the room. It's not because I have it all together. It's by your grace. So I am grateful. I think I think when you lose a sense of gratitude, you, you can really go to all kinds of not good places in yeah. your head, you know, Um, because when you're not grateful, then you become arrogant. And when you're arrogant, you look down on people and it's just mm. a bad domino effect. So I say grounded by being grateful and reminding myself that I didn't get here just by my own, you know, and then I say, you know, just hopeful and optimistic by, you know, they're kind of linked together. You know, I always think the same God who got me here, he's going to get me Give through me some, whatever. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Yeah. the next yeah. step, right? So, yeah.
0: So, let, let's let's go let's look back in your past. In college, mm-hmm. I don't think you had any idea that's where you'll be. I'm just guessing. You probably you probably <laughs> but why was where was Gloria? Wow. I was growing uh, in that in that mindset. So what was it for you in terms of, okay, in college, were you down to sturdy? Were you partying? like hybrid, party, sturdy? So no. let's get a sense to you, to your college experience.
2: So here's the thing. I... I think if you were talking to my brothers, they'll probably tell you they party their way through college more than me. I think this whole idea of being the only girl, growing yeah. up like in an African household. Yeah. You, you you know, even if you want to go party and do things you shouldn't do, you like you see your mom's face, you know, just Yeah. Like, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. like it, it's like, like you know, a I, reminder. I,
2: I, I loved um I got involved in a lot of activities, and um, okay. you know, I loved athletics, so I participated. And I think I just had a good experience. Like, just I had a very small group of friends, and um, I I just enjoyed the journey. But I I don't think I would ever put myself as this crazy person <laughs> I think, so, I, was, I think I
0: was just too scared. <laughs> <laughs> which, which pay off, you know, I think um, some people will balance it and that's like a, you had a different calling. Yes. So um, before we, we continue, let's take a break and we'll, we'll be back with Dr. Gloria. Wagakilomi.
1: What comes before making a smart decision? Choices. A smart choice is the best option, which is who we are. That's why our clients expect more from us and, in return, get more in everything we do. We understand the problem. That's why we thrive for excellence. We don't just create a winning culture. We aspire to be a smart choice, a voice for solutions. We believe in integrity, professionalism, and teamwork. Our passion is to bring results from our clients by working harder, smarter, and faster. As a team, we always deliver because we recognize your needs. Choosing smart influences us to be the best version of ourselves. That makes us different than other companies. It makes us confident in achieving our goals. It makes us who we are and it makes us DFM, the smart choice.
0: everybody, this is Eddie Dassis. We're back with our special guest. Um, we had Dr. Gloria Wakalomi with us today and she she did a great job telling us about her journey and we have her for more questions. The question I will ask her, what is one piece of advice you will give somebody starting their career now?
2: I would say just dream big and don't limit yourself. You know, mm. it comes back to everything I've been saying that um, you're going to have the naysayers. You're going to have the people who they think they know you and they think they sh- can tell you what you can and you can't be. Mm. Um, and it just goes back to that. Be careful who you put value on. Be very, very careful. And you you have to kind of evaluate your life and decide what. Um, Okay, this person is just always negative and really doesn't feel like I can get anywhere. So we're just not going to put value on them anymore. And then this person is here in my corner championing me. um, Then, yes, I'm going to put value on them and use that to motivate me. So, um, yeah, it's about surrounding yourselves with the the right people.
0: So who has been your your most support, your biggest support, your biggest Cheerleader in term of um allowing you to keep going. And as you you had um you accomplished many things. So to kind of help you yeah. focus on on your goal.
2: Yeah, well, I, I've already shared about my parents. So obviously they shaped and molded a big part of my childhood, but as I got older and and started early in my career, um God just put some really just wonderful women and mentors around me so you know fine mentors I have a couple aunts that were just really instrumental in my life Um, and then now later in life, um, I would actually say, I think my husband is probably my biggest cheerleader because I got my, I got my second doctorate degree much later in life when my kids were five and seven, and I needed to go back and get this degree for my career progression. And I was like, how am I going to go back to school after all these years? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just done. And he was like, nope, you're going to do this. You're going to do it. We're going to get it done. And so to just have that support is, is really been a blessing.
0: And 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 that's and I think so too. I think um, looking at your uh, biography and everything you accomplish, and is there a position you had you had the most joy, or you like I don't know if you can question. say.
1: Yeah, I, that's
2: a, I love that question. Um, I don't know if there's one job that I will say, but I think every job along the way I can there were elements of the job that gave me joy. Um, I really love where I am now at this institution. It's just a really special place so that it's giving mm. me lots of joy. But I think I can say that about a number of places I've worked at. And then there were a few places that didn't give me so much joy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so is, do, looking back, because some people said a uh, bad experience can be like a lesson learned. You know, uh, can be something you use uh, for the greater good in, in 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 your life. Yeah. Is there any 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 situation you had w- which wasn't ple- pleasant?
3: Yeah.
2: But
0: you use looking back, you use to get you through something now
2: yeah well I think the one I already shared with that teacher and although it was yeah. really like my parents who used that so I don't know if I could credit myself 100% but I will say later in life and sort of my first couple jobs in the career I I had some really really tough like you know supervisors yeah like I feel like they just they woke up every morning and then they're, they decided their goal was just to make my life
0: miserable well. yeah, miserable. yeah.
2: And it's so funny that now that I'm in a position where I supervise so many people, when sometimes people who report to me or, you know, people that I oversee want to do, I always have like that leader in the back of my mind because I remember how I was made to feel. And I always say, I I would even tell myself during that time, if I ever get to a position of authority, I won't lead it this way. So sometimes, mm. sometimes you learn or you become in life by what you observe that you
3: shouldn't do, right? Yeah, yeah.
2: So sometimes we always say, oh, be a good example, it's a good role models. But sometimes the, the things that stick with you the most that say this is the kind of leader or the kind of person is when you observe somebody who was doing the wrong thing. And then you said, oh, that will not be me.
0: Right? <laughs> no, and, and I agree. What do people misunderstand about you the most?
2: Wow. That's a great question. Um, I think because so my life is this intersection, right? I have this whole African culture that has Mm. all kinds of different traditions and values that I have to navigate. And then I have this whole American culture and and then within American culture, there's like Black culture within American culture. Yeah, and I think sometimes people don't like they don't know what box to put me in because there's so many.
3: Yeah, you know, there, are days, there are
2: days when I have to like think with my African hat, and then there are days when I just think like, okay, as an American, and that because I remember growing up, you know, sometimes the, the Black American kids would say. Why are you acting white? And then you know, like yeah.
3: the, in, in African, <laughs>
2: in African culture, then my father would, would say something like, oh, but you're you're African, you're not black American. And I'm like, what does that even mean? mean and yeah. then you know, then there's like black culture within America and I don't always align with all that. So I think until people get to know me, they're sometimes a little confused, like they because they have their stereotypes, right? People stereotype yeah. how they think you should be. Um, and sometimes they either don't even take the time to get to know you, or or they make assumptions about you. Yes.
0: So yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's time for hot topic. Hot topic. It's a segment where we talk about important topics, questions related to your career or yourself. Question about our audience would have the chance to ask um, Dr. Gloria today. Let's go with hot topic. <laughs> Hey, this is Eddie Dacius with Dr. Gloria today. Um hot topic. So hot topic for Dr. today Gloria. So, did you know you had the responsibility to bring to to bridge the gap from your parent and you now? Did you know when when you were going up you had that was your responsibility?
2: I, that, I love that question. I don't think I've ever been asked that question, even though it's such a huge part of my life. But I didn't know it then, even though we were doing it all the time. Mm-hmm. It it really wasn't until I got older that I realized that even what a burden that was sometimes to have to carry that because, you know, you love your parents. You're really you see them sometimes struggling because the accent and people couldn't understand or you're constantly carrying that um, for them. And it wasn't until later in life that I remember that I saw how much they leaned on us. But, you know, when it was happening you know, sometimes as a child, you you just do things and you don't really think about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I didn't know it then, but I, I know it now. And interestingly, I think in some ways I still do it now because, you know, you you you, you can't change. If you take, you know, a, a parent who okay, they may be in their 80s now, but if if their first 40 or 50 years of their life, they grew up in one culture. Yeah. Even if they spend 30, 40 years you know, in a yes. different culture, it, home is still home,
0: right? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. And, and let's say we, we were interviewing your parents, and let's say I said, What what would be their favorite childhood memories? I don't think it would be here. It would be in the country, right? right? That's the same thing. That's the gap. Exactly. People. So, now this is my following question Do you think that there is an identity crisis? when you are first generation.
2: Absolutely, it's it's interesting. You should say that because it's a topic that's I'm really passionate about. I I speak at a lot of different churches, um, a lot of churches that are maybe more like the more African population, but you know, yep. it's all first generation. So you're trying to help, you know, these the parents and and just kind of bridge that gap of things that you understand. Um, and I I think it is. I think you know. Um, and I, I see it. I have sometimes I'll talk to my like Hispanic friends and colleagues, and they'll say the same thing, you know. So I really think that, you know, they, they, I think it definitely exists. It really, really then definitely exists. <laughs>
0: Um. So this is one thing uh, before. So I, I'm a father of two and my son is four. My daughter is two. So, okay, so they, yeah, so they're really young. But where I'm at is there are some things. And I was telling my wife, we kind of have to keep up with the technology, keep up yeah. with education. Even we are educated. I have my uh, my wife. She has a master. I have a bachelor. That's I'm working like- into. But you have a PhD. I don't know about your husband, but my question is, do you think there will be a, a miss <laughs> translation where your children, they're going to be more advanced and watch you had to do with what your parents had to do for you you're gonna have to do for them as they're gonna have to be or they're gonna be advanced in their education yeah
2: Well, I think that, so my husband also has a PhD.
3: And he's he's
2: a a professor at a a university. Okay. And I think we definitely instilled in our children education. And isn't that every parent's dream? Like I know my parents look at us today, you know, and by God's grace, you know, we, we, we sponsor our parents for their home. We send them on vacations and as a way to say thank you. Right.
3: Yeah.
2: And. Definitely, now we're living a better life than they did, yeah. and I think when I look at myself and my siblings, the ones that have children, our children are living even a better life than we yep. did. Yeah. So we hope that you know they will continue down that continue, path and then yeah. their own children. You know, and I tell my kids all the time, "You better take care of me. Don't put me in a nursing home. Don't put you
0: know." Yeah. <laughs> No, that, that's good to hear because as technology is going fast and people are learning new ways to um to be educated, we still have to keep up and we still have to catch up in terms of like what's going on out there and yeah. be be in the mindset of keep. Yeah. It's like it's a long term journey. Education is a long term journey.
2: I still don't. Every time I get like a phone upgrade, I just hand it to my daughter like, OK, the way they're communicating and the way they're navigating life is so different than than what we had. It's it's amazing.
0: So uh, let's go with this. Now, looking back. And uh, maybe it's not, maybe it's not, it's an unfair question, but looking back at your parents and at your sibling, I don't know if you can answer that question, but it's a challenge, a hot topic. Who do you think accomplished the most? (laughs) Wow.
2: Between myself and my siblings, or myself.
0: Yes, yourself and your siblings. I hope they're
2: not listening. So, (laughs) (laughs) honestly, I mean, I, I, I am. You know, I'm a doctor, a PhD doctor. I have a brother before. I have my my oldest brother is a PhD. He's an engineer, and then we have a medical doctor. So there's three doctors in the family. And then I have two brothers who run their own business, and they always joke and say they make more money than all of us.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, yeah. I
2: I think I think everyone is successful Successful, in in their own way, and in their own way, it really is.
0: And that's the best answer. Yeah, and that's the best yeah. answer. And then yeah. um, it wasn't a trick question, but that's um, that's I know. I know.
2: But um, I bet if they were here, they would have different because we're we're also very competitive. As simple. Competitive.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's why I said. So I grew up with a big family too. Everybody's yeah. competitive. It's for the greater good. Everybody trying to make their parents and uh, the family proud. You know. Mm-hmm. And um, so let's go with um, is there? A question you wish I asked you today?
2: Um, no, actually, you you asked me some things that I'm gonna file away that I I may use in talking points when I speak at, at different places, especially okay. the one about the the parents and did I know that I was navigating that way for them? That that was really insightful for me. But no, no, not at all. I it, it's it's just my privilege to be here. I'm honored. Thank you.
0: So that's the million question now. What is the path for somebody to want to have your title one day?
2: Wow, that's great. Um, well, I hope many people listening will want to because we need more leaders in education. It's, it's a wonderful opportunity to mentor. And if you have a passion for for, for young people, for learning, for education, I would say start there. And there's so many ways to get here. You can go through teaching, you can go through just administration. Um, but, you know, there's the, the the beauty of this, the position that I'm privileged to have is that um, there's different ways to get there, but you definitely have to have a passion for young people and you have to be passionate about education. That, those two things you can't, that, that would be like, you know, you, I don't know, you, you want to sell, food, but you don't, you're selling a kind of food that you hate.
0: I don't know if you would really be passionate if you would be passionate. <laughs> and, and I think that that's um, great to, to hear in terms of um, what your responsibility is. So the next question is now, what, what is a typical day for, for a provost and a vice president of academic <laughs> affair at Delaware Valley University?
2: Wow. I don't even know if there's a typical day, but most days um, I I oversee different schools. So the grad school, School of Life Sciences, School of Business, and I meet with the deans. We talk about programs and how we can improve. Um, Many of my days I'm spent, sometimes I'm in classrooms. I was just in a classroom this week to listen to a really dynamic speaker. That was just an inspiration for some of our um, minority students. It was excellent. And um, I mentor a number of students. So I have different meetings with them during the week where they just come in and share how they're doing and maybe where they're struggling and how I can help. Um, And then I'm responsible to, you know, to a president and who's he's responsible to a board of trustees so sometimes you sit in those really like tense
3: meetings meetings.
2: (laughs) but my my favorite part is when i'm meeting with the students
0: no that's that's good to hear so now let's go to is there something you wish you studied um you know how to do as somebody who has two PhDs, right? <laughs> <laughs> Is that something you, you wish you knew what to do?
2: So I would have wanted to, um, I love, we're a very musical family and I took piano lessons for many years. So I, I, I play piano and, and play it, you know, well, not very well, but well. Um, But I also loved like the saxophone. And I really wish I had like, and my mom had told me, join the band and play the saxophone. And anytime I hear like jazz music, or I just, you know, it takes me to a place. And that's the one thing that I don't know. I never say never. I'm a lifelong learner. So I don't know, maybe in a few years, I'll just pick up a saxophone.
0: (laughs) Wow. Wow. That's great. So this was a hot topic with Gloria. So Gloria, what are the three books you will recommend our audience today and why? Is Ah, there any book you can recommend us?
3: Well,
2: first of all, I'm going to say the Bible by virtue of my faith. That's where you find inspiration. And I know some, maybe some people think that's an old fashioned book. It's outdated. It's, but I, I believe you find all kinds of wisdom and encouragement for life in there. Um, And then the second book I would recommend is um, it's actually called the, the seven habits of highly effective people. It's a Mm, book. I think that's a really, really great book just for, you know, getting it together. Um, And then there's, this is more of a topic, but I would recommend any book on emotional intelligence because you can be like really smart and know your stuff. But if you don't know how to like manage people, And deal with emotions and communicate, it'll be really hard for you to do any job or even be yeah. in, in a relationship. So,
0: yeah. So, uh, that's the fun part. Um, we're trying to close in now. Absolutely. With, uh, yeah. This
3: is
0: so, now from Eastern University to Immaculata University, Long Island University, Bethel University, which one was your favorite?
2: Oh my gosh! I can't believe really spot in this week I hope none of them are listening. Um, that's hard. I'm gonna have to say they—they they all had a purpose in my life. Ah,
0: come parties. on, Sorry, Come that's, on, that's come on. But I, you know what?
2: I, I have to give a shout out to Eastern. Though I had a wonderful experience.
0: Yeah, there. wonderful. Uh, that's good. That's good. That's good. Thank you. Um, that was great. Um, we had a good, like, great fun with you Absolutely. and Le, uh, Le, um learning more about you and your dedication for higher education mm-hmm. and I can say you are life, a, life, a lifelong learner mm-hmm. and so now the last question will be what the future holds for you
2: so because of what my parents instilled in me and so my passion. So I'm already starting some of this, but I do want to go back to different countries in Africa. So, you know, Kenya, Nigeria, Ghana, and do something with education more.
3: Like Mm. either
2: be part of a university that some, and I already write curriculum now for some universities in in different countries, but I would love to like have a school maybe just for girls.
0: Yeah. (laughs) In any of those countries. About, about, about,
3: the about the boys. About okay, well, 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 we'll the boys. Come
0: on. Boys the boys. boys into <laughs> <laughs> okay. What we'll um, about the boys in. All right. All right. So Gloria, that was very, very, very interesting conversation. I learned a lot, and honestly, there are some question I didn't have, but your the way you took us to that journey i had to ask those questions and you were graceful enough to take us there um last word for you
2: i just thank you for having me and and then like i said to anyone who will listen to this just watch who you put value on in life because it'll take you it's going to make a big difference in where you go so put value on the right people surround yourself with the right people
0: yeah Gloria Awakelome. She is um, a lifelong learner. She's very intelligent and she's very successful. She's the provost and vice president of academic affairs at Delaware Valley University. We had her on our 44th episode. Please, Check us online wwdppodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcast on Apple Podcast, Spotify. If you go on YouTube, you're gonna find us Divine Perfect Podcast. And if you are on any other social media, reach out to us. Um, this is Eddie Dacius with um, Gloria. We had a great time. Thank you, Gloria. I appreciate Thank the time. Thanks so
2: much. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs>